With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Morena, New Zealand on this uh, Friday, this uh, Friday of uh, week that a lot of people would want to forget, but uh, never will. Uh, we've got uh, a busy show for you, courtesy of Brant, your local John Deere equipment supplier, and uh, they'll be busy. They will be very busy in the months and uh, the years ahead, I would imagine, because uh, agriculture and uh, the ability to fix the problems in agriculture in this part of the world are high on the agenda. So uh, all the people at Brant, if you've, uh, if you've got needs, and you certainly will have if you're anywhere in the agricultural uh, sector of uh, the East Coast in particular, uh, get hold of the Brandt people and uh, they'll look up to you. We've got a busy show uh, this morning, as you would imagine. Uh, we'll review uh, day and night one of the first test between the Black Caps in England at uh, the Bay Oval and uh, Mount Maunganui. Gosh, the weather looked threatening up there, but they got away with it. Uh, Mitch McLennigan will come in, a uh, former Black Cap, of course, to look at uh, the styles of play of uh, both teams. Uh, at about 9.30, uh, we'll have uh, talk back, so if you want to... Call in at 0800 if you're in the Hawke's Bay area. Um, share your thoughts, uh, if you like, your experiences. Um, if you're in the Gisborne area or Wairoa in particular, we'd love to hear from you. Um, I'm not even sure you're able to, to listen to us. Some will have transistors, etc. Some won't have communications at all, um, and some don't have houses. So we will um, be certainly um, taking those calls. Uh, Logan and I will have a chat about that. Um, and uh, other things as well. At 9.50, we'll have uh, a multi. Uh, after 10 o'clock, we'll talk to Justin Nelson, uh, basketball commentator, on the back of uh, what he saw last night between um, the Jack Jumpers and the Breakers, Game 2. Uh, the panel this morning will be Aidan McLaughlin and James Regan. Uh, we shall uh, take your texts throughout the day, too, on double eight double three. Love to hear from you. After 11, we'll talk to Fonzie, uh, the Warriors Life podcast host. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the match they've got at Orange Theory Stadium this weekend and uh, some of the issues that are around the team at the moment. Uh, and then uh, we'll go across to the sports desk just after 11.20 because Logan has been watching Full Swing. Full Swing, this latest uh, thing on uh, television. He's been watching it, so uh, we'll get a quick review on that. We'll talk to Mick Guerin uh, just after 11.40 as well uh, with uh, what's coming up in terms of harness racing, etc. over the weekend. Busy Friday. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, of course, our priority on this station is sport and entertainment. I mean, that's in our name, and, and day in, day out, that is our major focus. But there are some days, some weeks, when uh, for even the most avid listener and broadcaster, for that matter, it is small fry, almost meaningless. Aucklanders, Northlanders, East Coasters and Hawke's Bay residents have been smashed in the last month. Smash from pillar to post or pillow to fence post. One of my most vivid memories as a kid growing up in Wellington was the Wahine disaster on April 10th, 1968. The family home was next to the main route from the city and the hospital out to Seatoon Beach where the carnage was literally washing up. It was so rough outside we stayed indoors all day and listened to the multitude of sirens from the emergency vehicles going up and down Broadway. 
hundreds it seemed at the time, it probably was. Daunting, we were huddled round a transistor for any news and updates. 54 years later, the same experience here in Hawke's Bay on Tuesday and Wednesday. Sirens and helicopters hovering, hundreds of them it seemed, and there we were again, huddled around the transistor, powerless for news and updates. A stark and devastating reminder that whilst life goes forward at an alarming rate of progress, Mother Nature can put you on hold or stop you in your tracks anytime she likes. Hawke's Bay, Wairora and Gisborne in particular are in a mess. Soul-destroying, heartbreaking mess for some. Irrecoverable for many, loss of life, loss of property, loss of dreams and memories. There were many, the lucky ones, whose biggest beef was the, when the power was coming back on. Or cell phone coverage, when would that come back? Even a few hoping the golf course would be playable. What were they thinking? Often there's no more relaxing sound when you're trying to sleep than that of rain on the roof. Actually, it's quite soothing. Not last night around these parts. It rained and bugger all slept. Not for long, thank heavens, but enough to serve as a reminder that those who have lost everything, there are just as many, many more on the brink. Here at SENZ, our thoughts and prayers and hearts go out to you all. And yes, sport and entertainment is so far from your thoughts, but rest assured, you are currently in all of ours. Radio uh, England heading today two of the pink ball test at uh, Bay Oval in a commanding position. Ben Duckett and Harry Brook both notched up over 80 as the tourists took to the Black Caps bowling attack with the Barmy Army in support, declaring it 3.25 for 9. New Zealand were tested under the lights as James Anderson and Ollie Robertson attack with Stuart Broad in support, leaving uh, the home side 37 for 3 at Stumps. With us now is former Black Cap, who's uh, handy on the golf course, I know, but it's uh, probably far from his thoughts at the moment, too. Uh, Mitch McLennigan, good morning to you, sir. How are you? Good morning, Smitty. Um, yeah, look, I just want to, um, uh, listening to your sermon, mate, um, look, hopefully everyone bounces back in the Hawke's Bay like they did after the earthquakes, mate. Um, it was pretty tough for us as well. You know, we've got family down there and been get contact from people for two or three days, so um, it was pretty... Uh, pretty uh, hard time and and hopefully everyone bounces back nice and quick mate yeah i know you're uh, you're a hawks bay born and bred uh, so i was going to talk to you a wee bit about that but um everyone you know is is, is pretty good yeah everyone's everyone's safe um yeah so uh we're a bit, bit nervous uh, the old uncle's uh involved in the lions club down there and as we expected he was out volunteering and helping people around so the community down there is great mate so uh, and the spirit as well mate so everything uh uh, hopefully subsides and everyone bounces back nice and quick. Yep, we need some fine weather, some drying weather, and um, and then uh, I think uh, some areas they don't even know how bad it is at this point. So uh, that's uh, I think the first point. Um, right, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, the cricket if we can, because we can't ignore the fact that that is going on up there in the the yep. Bay of Plenty. Three twenty-five for nine. 3.25 for nine, and then uh, a declaration, and still enough time to have New Zealand in trouble on day one. We got a taste of the way Brendan wants to play yesterday, didn't we? Well, all the talk all week, like Ollie Robertson and the like, saying oh, that the pink ball is a bit of a gimmick, and Jimmy Anderson coming out and saying he 
he enjoys the red ball, and that's how it should be played. But the way Basball's set up, or Baz, the way Brendan set this side up with Stokesy, it's almost perfect. You you, you lose, you win or lose the toss, and, and you hopefully go out for a bat, and you, you're bowling with the pink ball under lights uh, straight away after teammate with 325 on the board. So it kind of sets itself up to be the right way to play pink ball cricket. Well, unless you want to play it yourself, um, you're going to have to find a way to stop it. Uh, I look at it uh, yesterday, uh, Mitch, 58.2 overs. Um, all of our bowlers uh, were taken to, to be fair. Um, yes. what, what, did we do anything wrong? Did we not learn it quickly enough? Well, first and foremost, mate, we haven't got another swing bowl in that lineup. Um, as you know, pink ball test is all about swinging the ball under lights. You've got Stuart Broad and you've got Jimmy Anderson on the other side of things. And, and we've just got Tim Southey who... Uh, before I move on, talking about uh, what may, we may have done wrong with selection already, um, Tim Southey was outstanding last night. He showed what you've got to do, um, you know, a test cricket, and he was straight on the spot, uh, like Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad were straight away. So, look, Neil Wagner, it's not a not a role that he plays, opening up with that new ball, and then you've got two guys who, who don't swing the ball prodigiously um, coming on after that, just hit the deck and both making their debut, and you know, it's a, it's a tough job to, to what looked like a pretty flat wicket, mate. So for them to come out together, make their debut, and they're bash the wicket guys with guys going after them. It works at domestic level, um, but these guys are class. All, all the words out of the English camp, and, you know, Anton Devisic there now, and he, he said to me that um, these guys are incredibly skilled. He said probably one of the most skilled bunch of cricketers he's been around. Well, I got uh, an early wicket of uh, Zach Crawley, uh, but that did not deter mm. England. Uh, they just uh, really kicked into gear from that point. Duckett, 84 from 68, Pope, 42, and this Harry Brock. We're finding out a wee bit about Harry Brock, 89 from 81. Jeez, he's, uh, he's incredible, isn't he? Um, I watched him in the Pakistan series in the T20s uh, you know, when England went over there and played those three T- uh, seven T20s before, and and the way he finished some games, I was like, geez, this guy's a hell of a white ball player. But he came out straight away and, and just showed in his first, what, four innings, four games he's played test cricket. He's averaging, what, 80. Um, he just seems to have uh, an outstanding array of shots. Um, what I did find interesting was that um, I think Flem touched on it yesterday. He said, you know, all the scouting, all the preparation, all the tools you have available to you um, at international and domestic cricket now, you can clearly see that he scores all his runs through points. Um, and it took them too long to kind of go to that straight line and attack him on that short ball. Well, it's interesting too. And then when they did adjust, um, I watched uh, one over in particular where he hit two lofted straight drives or lofted off drives, one for four at 100 miles an hour and another lofted one that went for six. So um, it's not just there he's lethal, but um, you know he, he obviously quite clearly uh, is a player for the future. Now, we've got text into the show, and you've worked in the station as well. People react to these things, saying this could possibly be one of the worst bowling attacks we've ever fronted up with uh, in a test match. Uh, is that the case, or were they just made to look like that? Oh, look, um, in an ideal world, mate, you would have another swing bowler opening the innings, and hopefully being able to use that, that ball with that sideways movement to, to knock a couple of wickets off before a Kugelon or a Tickner came into their debut. Um, you know, it would have been ideal. Obviously, if you had Bolte, that'd be great. But there's other good swing bowlers around the country, mate, who would have been exceptional with that pink ball in this test match. Uh, 
the likes of Doug Bracewell. I don't know what he's done wrong. I think he's very much like like Southie. If you're missing out on a, a Matt Henry, he's the kind of guy who I would have liked to have seen in that side. You're missing Jameson, so his ability with the bat would have been very handy as well, down lower in that order, mate. Um, and then all the, all the uh, stuff around Henry Shipley, right? Um, I, I think I've been pretty public in saying I don't think he should have been picked for for the T20 in the one-day series overseas. Um, Peter Fulton kind of backed him in, but asked him the question the other week, I said, is he a better Red Bull player than a White Bull player? And he kind of seemed to think he was, and, and it's, his stats reflect that, mate. He's a very good Red Bull player, um, and he's very similar to Kyle Jameson. So when Kyle Jameson gets um, pulled out with injury, um, Henry Shipley, if you're looking for that type of bowler, who swings the ball both ways from height. Yes, Shipley's about 5k slower than Jameson, but he would have been a like-for-like replacement. So to go for two guys who are hit-the-wicket guys, who are kind of in line to to take Wagner's spot when Wagner moves on, um, I I think picking them both and then Wagner opening the bowling was a real misstep for mine. The other thing was is interest, no specialist spinner. I mean, you cannot call Michael Bracewell a, a specialist test spinner. He's been bowling off spin for two or three years. Uh, he bowls mm. uh, three overs yesterday, one before lunch and one before the dinner break, uh, none for 13, um, and honestly didn't look that threatening. I mean, I, I, why, why don't we, why have we not got the faith here? What, 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 what am I missing here? I mean, we went through years of playing Santner, who was not a threat as a spin bowler. Yes. Are we just looking for batting insurance and a few cheap slow overs throughout the day to give the seamers a rest? Is that our tactic? Uh, I believe so. Um, I, I, I think maybe this selection with Michael Bracewell is off the back of our defeat against Bangladesh last last time at, at Bay Oval, where, where it turned into a slow wicket where the seamers weren't effective. So, but you can't go into a test match um, being reserved like that, right? You can't be like, oh, we made this mistake last time. We're not going to make it again. But the, the conditions look completely different, and it's pink ball test. So the only time, the only kind of real good pick for a pink ball test as well in New Zealand is your leg spinner because it's really difficult to pick up your uh, pick up the seam. Um, that's the only option you'd be looking at. But I guess now now we probably Michael Bracewell will come out and score uh, a lot of runs, and he's been in good form, mate. He's been in very good form. But it's it's one of those ones, mate. If you wanna if you wanna try and start playing some aggressive cricket, then you if you if you're looking at a Bracewell, you know who's going to score quick runs at the end? Is it going to be Bracewell or is it going to be someone like Glenn Phillips in Test cricket who can kind of change the game? and do that role that you're talking about. But in terms of the batting order, I think they're probably, like you said, you touched on Bracewell's there as a bit of insurance potentially, because I think that middle order to my, for mine looks weak. I think Daryl Mitchell's really struggled for form. Um, he's scored runs when he's batted at six or seven. Um, but every time he's been elevated into that middle order, he's struggled a bit of late. And Henry Nichols is incredibly out of form. We saw that again last night. Yes, he got a beauty from Jimmy Anderson, but uh, again, you've got a guy waiting in the wings, uh, a good CD boy there, mate, and Will Young, who I think's been ready to go for the last year, mate. I think he's been outstanding, um, and I hope to see him in Wellington. Look, I, I'm not sure we will. Uh, one of the things about, uh, and sometimes it can be, uh, I think, a, a liability, is that you have faith. Uh, you tend to have faith in, in your, your side, and there's no doubt about that. Gavin Larson and Gary Stead are very faithful in terms of being selectors, and they trust guys, and you know they give them fair opportunities. But the game's going forward um, at 100 miles an hour, and England are driving that at the moment. You can't sit back 
We sat back, yeah. We, we sat back yesterday, or, or we were we were taken out of it early on in the piece. Uh, 58.2 overs, as I said. Uh, we bowled, they bowled 18 overs at us, and we got to 37 for three. Um, we didn't appear at any stage uh, in that hour and a half of batting to put any pressure back on their bowlers. We let them bowl, right? We we just let them mm. bowl. That's um, that's that's plain and simple, and and that's that's what that's what the England side's doing. They're getting guys off their length. Even Crawley, even though he nicked out and nicked one pass wide of Bracewell before he did get out, um, he's trying to change that length of one of the world's best Test bowlers um, over the last ten years with Tim Southey. And, and we didn't look to make those kind of moves. You're absolutely right. It's as a bowler, if you advance or you go back or you play a certain type of shot, um, you are thinking the next ball on what is he going to do and. And that's when you make those mistakes like we did in our bowling innings. I, I, Nichols is an interesting one for me. Um, not only have they trusted in him, but they've given him a bigger role uh, without any form. I mean, number four is a crucial. Huge I mean, you, 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 well, Joe Root, Joe Root v. Henry Nichols, Steve Smith v. Henry Nichols, Virat Kohli yeah. v. Henry Nichols. I mean, you mm. know, there's just three, three off the top of my head. It's um it's an incredibly crucial spot and and had quite a few conversations actually with um with Hess around this um and I, he believes that Devin Conway should stay at the top. I after Ross Taylor left, I strongly believe that Devin Conway should be batting four because I think you need your 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 best run scorer at number four, number three, and number four. Obviously, you've got Kane at number three. I think Devin to shore that up would have been outstanding at number four. And if you don't have someone like that who you can bank on to build a big partnership if you lose a couple of early wickets and you get through the end of that new ball and you have someone like Nichols coming up against Jimmy Anderson under lights, um, you know, it makes that order look very, very short, mate. So um, I, I just, I just, that got, it's probably something we underappreciate right now is how, how big a hole uh, Ross Taylor has has actually left in that side and that combination he had with Kay. Yeah, I totally agree there. Um, the other thing I, which is of interest to me, um, I didn't. I wasn't able to watch every single ball and uh, I watched uh, bits of play throughout the day. But I just wonder how, how much time was lost um, yesterday. Were, were they off the park at all uh, for any reason? Uh, for, not from what I could see. Um, like, like you, I was in and out. Um, had a bit of bub's duty, but... Um, uh, not for mine. I think it was just the fact that the ball was going to the boundary a, a lot more than you see in Test cricket. Um, so that's well, se- why they were so far behind in the over rates. <laughs> well, seventy six point two overs though, um, you know, yeah. and they had an extra half an hour added on. I mean, I, 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 if that's the case, I, I don't quite understand that. Maybe I'm reading this wrong, but that's to me ninety overs in a day. That's depriving uh, the public who they desperately want to see, the subscribers mm. who they desperately want to hold on to. Of an, over an hour of cricket, an hour of cricket yep. action gone. Yeah, I know, mate. It's pretty crazy, eh? I mean, the over rates are slowing down quite a bit before before the style of cricket has been played. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty interesting one. I, I know maybe maybe the Black Caps need to get a few of their reserves uh, around the fence. So we did that in the Big Bash to try and speed up our over rate. If the ball went to the boundary, you hit some guy on the on the side of the field and and throw the ball in, so you can get back to it pretty quick. But like you look at. Tickner and, and Coogie, they take a long time to bowl their overs, mate. So maybe that's why Michael Brace was there. Because if Tim Southey's look, looking down the barrel of maybe a, a suspension or a fine for the over rates and missing that next test, maybe Michael Brace will bowl 30 on a green one. 
Uh, look, he might have to um, just to speed things up, but we've got to get um, we've got to get a lot of runs before Michael Bracewell does some bowling. So where are mm. they going to come from today? How how crucial when the play resumes at two o'clock that uh, well uh, we've got Wagner uh, to hang around, and I guess if it, the, the longer he can stay around, it's going to blunt Anderson and Broad. But uh, who are we relying on here? Uh, look, I, I think Blundell's been in pretty good form, mate, um, of late. I think he's he's your banker, really. Um, he plays that English style of cricket. He stays deep in the crease, um, plays the ball late. If you remember seeing Balance and all those guys, and even Joe Root, you watch him, like, stays quite deep in the crease and plays the ball super late. So he's kind of that model. Um, hopefully the ball doesn't swing this morning, mate. But um, I, I was listening to Wagner's stuff at the end of last night, and, and I think they're just going to try and come out and, and have to score as many runs as they can, and and even if they're all out by by that by the time the lights come on, I think that'll probably be the only way that we're going to be able to stay in this game and hopefully knock the top off with our new ball. But again, it comes down to the fact that we've only got really one opening bowler in in that lineup in Tim Saudi. Um, well, I've just had word come through actually um, that uh, maybe Doug Brace was carrying a. Um, a groin niggle. Uh, he bowled only four okay. overs in the last trophy game, so uh, maybe there's a reason there. We didn't hear that. Maybe uh, mm. they could have said that he was unavailable uh, for selection, mm. but uh, obviously not in their thinking. Hey, hey Mitch, uh, always great to catch up with you. Might, uh, we'll certainly do that again throughout the series. Um, enjoy, um, enjoy the day, mate, and enjoy uh, hopefully New Zealand fight back today. Thanks for your time, mate. Cheers, mate. Not a problem driving down there now, so uh, I'll be, uh, I can be your sideline reporter, mate. Good on you. Look forward to that. Mitch McClinigan there uh, for us here on SENZ in the mornings. We'll take uh, a short break and we'll be back after that uh, to talk some more turkey with you guys. Talk back time with Smithy. Call now 0800 150 811. Nine thirty-two here on SENZ and it's a very good morning to you. Kevin, how are you this morning? Hey, Smithy, welcome back. Yeah, nice to be back, I can tell you. really is. Yeah, nice, nice to have you back too. I love, you. I love your commentaries on that. Um, that was a good interview with Mitch. It was a, was a, was a great interview. You know, you, had a, you, you said a lot of things that I believe in, and two of them there is, is, is Nichols. I don't know how he is number four batsman with an average. I think he's got an average of 18 against spin. Goodness knows what he's got against pace, but I just don't know how you can persevere with somebody with an average like that. You know, there's... Will Young ready to have a go? And you know, why don't you give him a go? Uh, I'm I'm with you. Um, Will Young was tried at the top of the order. I, I think Will Young would be uh, pretty good in that middle order role. Uh, I'm also with uh, Mitch. I think we're we're getting to the stage now. If we can't find a number four very shortly, we're going to have to convert Conway into a number four because uh, we need a uh, we need someone around Williamson as uh, behind Williamson. If Kane fails, we're in deep stock, and he failed yesterday. Uh, no, look, we're in we're in dire straits. So I think already in this Test match, we're so far behind the eight ball now. If we don't get a, a partnership, if we don't get uh, pretty close to 270, 280 runs, the rate they score, they'll take us out of it very quickly again. And in the last innings, it's not going to be easy. So, uh, particularly at night time, uh, Kevin, it, it's it's an interesting point you make, and and um, I'm not quite sure uh, what the answer is, but. Uh, we're being we're going to we're going to be exposed in these next two weeks. I promise you. Yeah, well, the other thing too, you brought up a good point. You said, look, Australian number four is Smith, uh, Joe Root for England, and now number four is you know a guy that's got an average of I don't know what below twenty. 
that does that that doesn't add up. It does not add up. Um, no, the other thing I'm going to bring yeah, up. Yeah, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kev. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, the other thing I was going to bring up too, Smithy, while we're on it, is, is, is I've been. I just don't know how Brace, well, um, whatever his first name is, sorry, um, how he keeps getting in there. He's he's not a top-notch spinner, and as soon as he comes in today, they'll bring Leach on. You watch that because he cannot read spin. That's just my observation, and I don't I don't understand why Adias Patel has not been given a length of time in this test. Um, in this test team and given overs when he's a top notch, top notch spinner, but he's not getting the cricket. I just don't understand it. Uh, look, uh, Kev, um, thank you, thank you very much for your call. Um, I appreciate that. I can promise you that Brennan McCullum will have said to his players, "I don't care who's spinning the ball for New Zealand or trying to spin the ball for New Zealand. We are going at them. We are going at them." The only way that uh, Bracewell got off cheaply yesterday is because he bowled the uh, overs just before the break, and the batsman at that point say, "I'm desperately not going to get out here, so I'll block him." Uh, right, let's uh, let's get to Nick from Wellington. Uh, morning, Nick. G'day, Smithy. Um just a couple of things on the cricket. I think um, I think um, Mitch McLennan was he was he was wrong about Mitchell. Mitchell last time we played England, he got three tons. Him and Blundell scored, you know, both scored a lot of runs. So I'm sort of a bit more optimistic. Mm. I think that 325 is not. It's a pretty bold declaration. I think yes, we're 30 for three. But if we can if we can show some, you know, have a couple of good partnerships today, two good partnerships, then that's just about level. If we go really well, then. Bracewell and Kugeline down the order become very dangerous. Obviously, we're relying a lot on Mitchell, Blundell, and obviously Conway. But you know, I think I think the best way to beat this England team is to do the opposite of what they do, and rather than go out there and try win it in three, we've got to show and and play that attritional sort of cricket that won us the World Test Championship. I think McLennan was also 100% right that Tickner and, and Kugeline, you can't make you can't put two average bowlers and expect them to do one good bowler's job. It just doesn't work like that, especially against the England team. And um, Will Young, like clearly, clearly, Conway needs to bat four because him and Kane are our runs. And so Nichols is uh, sorry, Will Young's the next best opener. So I think that just makes sense. You can't chop Mitchell and Blundell after what they've done in Test cricket over the last little while. Has to be, no, like, has to be I, I, Nichols. I think Blundell is one of our shining lights, to be perfectly honest. I, I'm looking for him to show some fight today. I, I think he's a very good player, and I think he's a pretty good glove man as well. In fact, I do believe the two best glove men in world cricket uh, are up against each other in this particular series, and Blundell uh, and also Folks. Uh, but uh, what, we, what we've got there is, you know, we've, we've, got, a, uh, we've got a class bowler, an absolute class bowler in, in Saudi. We've got an excellent bowler in the role that he has developed over the years, Wagner, but he's not allowed to bowl in that form initially because he's become the new ball bowler. So he's bowling in an area where he's uncertain. We've got two other pro bowlers who uh, looked out of sorts and out of place yesterday. And then we've got a spinner who isn't a spinner. Um, I don't think you can take a, an England cricket team on with that kind of thinking for me, Nick. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I think McLennan's right in how Kugline and... Um, and um, and Nick Tickner are very similar. I'm surprised they didn't give Jacob Duffy a game, considering he is, like you say, a new ball bowler, and Wagner can do the role that he's um, done for so long. And obviously, if Shodi's home ground as well, it sort of doesn't make sense at all, really, but it's not surprising anyway. Nick, great to hear from you, mate. I uh, hope you stay safe and well down there in Wellington. Uh, go down to Christchurch now. By Jesus, Christchurch have had their fair share of troubles over the years. Um, so, Jared, it's a very good morning to you. Good morning, Smitty. Uh, 
we're wondering how Al might uh, been going up there, and uh, uh, I was glad to hear when you were talking to Israel earlier that you're okay and your family are okay, and your your house is alright. I'm just absolutely gobsmacked with the scenes uh, up there, and uh, I, I can imagine it's been a really tough time up there. Um, so uh, yeah, glad, good to hear you back, mate. And um, yeah, uh, with the uh, the cricket. Um, I think we've been exposed, Smithy, with our bowling, um, and and uh, I, I wonder, you know, with with go, going forward, how we how we're going to replace the likes of Southie and Bolt with our stocks. It's a bit of a concern. Yeah, the, this whole Southie um, wall is undoubted, and it's a question of how long Tim goes for or how the body holds up for, because we simply cannot do without him. The Bolt thing was an interesting one. That, the debate before this Test match even started, and uh, they've decided that, uh, no, they don't want Trent Bolt for Test cricket. And I suppose there's two ways to look at that. Uh, this is a very important series, and, you know, we had injuries with uh, Jameson as well. Could we have knocked on his door in an SOS sort of fashion? Would he have played? I don't know what his answer would have been when they knocked on the door. I do not know. But the fact that they didn't bother, or they want to bother, is, it's, you know, they've drawn a line in the sand there, and I, I can sort of run with that sort of run with that um, but you've got to have viable options and and options that you trust in uh, when you make those kind of calls and they haven't they simply haven't particularly when Jamison who would have been on trial anyway uh, Cole Jamison we don't know how his body was going to be going into a test match he pulled limited uh, workloads as they say it these days uh, we did not know if it was going to stand up. We did not know what kind of form he was in, to be perfectly honest. He bowled a little bit against England for a New Zealand 11, Jared. But um, he was always going to be, even if fully fit, Jamison was going to be a, a, a gamble here. So Matt Henry, um, you know, would have been a given. Uh, stays at home. That's the modern way these days. You stay at home for a birth of a child. All sporting people tend to do that. So um, I'm not sure whether you know they've had the baby or or he's able to play in the second test, but he's a given. Uh, if they go to the base and reserve, that'll improve things. He's a fine. He's been a fine uh, replacement bowler over the years. But you're right, Jared. Um, questions questions keep coming up rather than answers, don't they? Yeah, that's right. Hey, Smitty, uh, what, what are your thoughts on you know uh, callers have spoken about Nichols before? Um, I'll, I'll throw this in. Would it, would it have been wrong to chuck? the likes of Phillips in there. We knew the problems were going to come out uh, uh, thanks to Baz with a, a very attacking batting. It would have, would have, would have, would have uh, been an option to chuck Phillips in there and, and counter uh, with, with um, his attacking uh, ability? Oh, oh, look, I, I think that's a possibility. I, I, I think you've got to at some stage fight fire with a little bit of fire and Phillips has certainly got that. I just don't think his form was good enough. Uh, if he'd have scored bigger in the white ball side of things when we were away, if he'd have been a little bit more dominant there, I think they'd have been a little bit more confident in giving him an opportunity. He's played a test match. He got 50 in a test match um, at the Sydney Cricket Ground when he was called in in a middle-order role. He'd have learnt a lot from that. Um, and I, I think he can't be too far away from the frame if we're going to change our attitude towards we play. Are we capable of playing Brennan and Brennan McCullum style of cricket? Probably not. Have we got the artillery? Probably not. But then again... Uh, 18 months ago, England probably didn't think they had either. So it's an interesting conundrum, Jared. Thanks very much for your time, uh, and thanks very much for your best wishes too. Uh, pass them on to the people of uh, Hawke's Bay and the East Coast. Joey from Auckland, good morning to you. Yeah, I reiterate that, Smithies. Uh, welcome back, mate. It's, um, it's sad for everyone around New Zealand, and obviously especially down 
where you are. I hope everyone's uh, safe and and good down there and, um, you know, spirits up. I mean, it's going to be a hard road, but like Kiwis, we're strong and tough and we'll, we'll get through yep. it. Um, look, just on sure the cricket, will. mate, you know, um, you know, on the cricket, Smithy, you know, you know, but between four and six, uh, batting between four and six or four and seven, at the moment, I don't think we've got anyone. You did right when you talked about, um, you know, uh, being at four when you, when you had uh, the Aussie um, Smith and, the, and Coley and everything. You know, if, if you're England today, you're going at 30-odd 30, 30 for three. You're going, we can get them at, at 60 for five, without a doubt. You know, I mean, and... and I think we've we've got the selection wrong, you know. I mean, there's a guy there uh, in the sense of um, of um, a young um, that you know he's in he's in really good form, and and so why not give him a chance? I mean, years ago they gave um, Skippy Sinclair a chance. He scored two hundred. I'm not going to say Young's going to score two hundred, but your form tapers off. Obviously, when you're in good form, you know, and you're confident, it's a lot better. So you give a guy that's in good form, you give him a go, and and he could prosper from that. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that he may well go out uh, cheaply, but at the moment we're we're struggling. I think we're more concerned about our bowling and and our, I think we're too defensive with um with the coach Steve. I, I really do. I think we need to be a bit more uh, attacking. You know, um, that's the way I look at it. I don't know what you think with it, but. It just we haven't got anything between four and six of the month. If you lose lose Williamson and 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 the, the first three like they are now, um, I would say you know the chances us us getting two hundred plus, and no no disrespect to the other guys, there's a lot of pressure on them. Joey, you make some um, some brilliant points there. Point one, uh, we're basically uh, unless Neil Wagner does something spectacular against uh, the likes of Anderson and Broad uh, early this afternoon. We're basically four down. He's just the night watchman. He was to get get us through to stumps last night safely. He did, he did his role perfectly. But I'd be I'd be very surprised if we're not fifty or sixty for four, um, bearing in mind uh, that he's at the crease. Uh, that puts a lot of pressure on Conway. If they can nip Conway out in the first half hour, England, uh, then that puts a lot of pressure on uh, Mitchell and Blundell and Bracewell. Uh, then Tim Southey, um, or probably Kugelheim will come in at eight. Kugelheim can handle a bat. But certainly, he's not um, he's not a test class uh, all rounder at, at this point in his career, and you couldn't expect him to be either. Uh, so, uh, you, what you've got here is a situation where you've got a side who wants to play absolutely attacking cricket from ball one. We can see that. Um, we see the way they batted yesterday. The methods of dismissal won't worry Brendan McCullum that Joe Root was caught reverse lapping. On 14 in a test match. It won't worry him that Ben Stokes opened up his uh, right leg and tried to swat a short ball through mid-wicket early on in his innings. That won't worry them because his doctrine is to keep going forward, to keep having um, an aggressive attitude, and what's more, keep having fun. Have fun. You can see it in their faces even when they get out. It's not a look of absolutely disgust or disappointment. It's, oh, well, I tried something, didn't quite work. I'll have another crack in the second innings. You can just see it on their faces. Uh, and, and that's an attitudinal thing. And that is very hard to change um, from New Zealand's point of view. Now, the reason why England changed is because they had a clean-out. They had an absolute clean-out, and the clean-out came in with a complete and utter fresh attitude. Um, what we're looking to do is, and I will say this, Gary Stead has been a super, super successful coach over a period of time. He's got us to uh, some pretty good spots in world cricket. 
Uh, but what I will say is he's a very conservative man. And so is Gavin Larson. We know that. We've heard them. They're conservative men. Safety first. Uh, safety first won't beat England. It's 9.46. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the hold Know when the fold Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, multi-time, uh, and it's, uh, let's have a crack at uh, a four-pronger this weekend, shall we? Get, uh, get aggressive like uh, the England cricket team. Let's get on the front foot and make sure that Sydney beat uh, Brisbane in the A-League. Sydney Football Club to beat Brisbane at $1.91. Brighton to beat Fulham in the EPL at $1.62. This afternoon, I'll take uh, the Greek Freak and the Milwaukee Bucks to beat Chicago at $1.34. And a French Super 14 rugby, uh, this will be Sunday morning, uh, Toulon to beat Toulouse. Toulon to beat Toulouse at $1.30. Multi that up, Sydney into Brighton into Milwaukee into Toulon, and you'll get $5.39 for your dollar. So uh, that'll be a good one. I quite like it, actually. I'm uh, pretty confident uh, about that one, to be perfectly honest. We've got... Um, uh, a couple of uh, multis, a couple, uh, sorry, a couple of texts to talk about. Um, Charlie said, uh, G'day boys, uh, this is a late one before uh, 10 o'clock, was it? Uh, I was surprised to hear Nuggy say he would like, oh, this is like Aaron Smith was on the show. Like to see, Nuggy would like to live in the Coromandel because our beauty we Dunedin must be the safest city in New Zealand. We don't get tropical cyclones or tornadoes or steadily earthquakes and we don't have uh, sewage floating around our beaches, yuck. Dunedin is a hidden gem. Thanks very much, Charlie. Let's all move to Dunedin if we can. Um, you have probably already talked about this, but what has Doug Bracewell done wrong? Well, uh, I got a text through this morning to say he's got a groin issue, uh, that he only bowled four overs in the last uh, trophy match. So um, apparently he's uh, a little bit sore, Doug Bracewell. So even if they did consider him, uh, they would not have been able to pick him if that is the gospel truth. 9.53. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, we've uh, got uh, texts coming in, which is great. Uh, earlier in the uh, the boys' show, they came, one came through. Well, I don't think they were able to read out. It was addressed to Kevy. Ha- uh, have a look, uh, to Kempe. Have a, a look. Uh, at the front page of the Herald, just staggering to think that that can happen. As a young sales representative, I drove through Cyclone Bowler on Na- Napier Taupo. Uh, the road gave way ha- halfway across, had to go through a farm paddock after five hours, but it was nothing on Gabriel. Um, and earthquake wouldn't cause that much damage as what's happened in the Hawke's Bay. People who had no job to go to, no house, uh, three limited and everything they buy heart wrenching. That's uh, from Kev. Uh, yeah, Kev. Uh, we spoke to Kev a little a while ago, but uh, I think you're sort of echoing uh, the thoughts of of everyone. As is uh, Brent, actually, particularly when it comes to the subject of uh, Henry Nichols. Uh, awesome to hear you back on air. Hope your family etc. Okay. Yes, they are. They are, Brent. Uh, thanks very much for your kind wishes. Uh, we got through pretty much unscathed. Uh, read the black caps. How many chances did, does Henry Nichols get? I'd love to hear your opinion on who should be at number four. Well. Uh, for me, it's either Conway or Young. Conway or Young, depending on which way they look at the order, but uh, certainly uh, Henry Nichols is not in good enough touch to be in a pinnacle role uh, in that batting order at the moment. It is uh, 10 o'clock, Ottawa time, and then it's basketball time.
are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Six-point lead to the Jack Jumpers. They trail by five deep in that third period. Kelly just muscles his way inside. Game high, eight-point spread. Bradley with a goodness. Huge rejection coming from the weak side. And a big three from Quint Steindl. In front of a sold-out My Stank Bait Arena. The Jack Jumpers keep their season alive. Yeah, that was the sound of the Tasmania Jack Jumpers extending their NBL final series with the New Zealand Breakers to a deciding third game after they pick up the win in Hobart 89-78. It's back to the drawing board now for Modi Maor and his crew uh, where they must win at Spark Arena on Sunday to punch their ticket to the ANBL Grand Finals to face either the Sydney Kings or the Cairns Taipans. Joining us now here on SENZ Mornings is the man who loves all things hoops across the ditch and here in New Zealand, and that is Sky Sports Zone, Justin Nelson. Justin, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Smithy. Great to catch up with you. Mate, uh, honestly, uh, just uh, deep in the third quarter, uh, the Breakers, I think, at one point had a lead to five. They turned it over when they were looking to make that at least seven. And then it went downhill very, very quickly. It just changed uh, with an 11-point run in that third quarter, and they never responded, the breakers. Yeah, spot on. And in a hostile environment, it's very hard to get momentum back. They led by five with about a minute 40 to go in the third quarter. And to close out the third, they committed three turnovers. Tassie went on a 9-0 run to close the quarter out, then scored the first basket of the fourth quarter, and that's it. Momentum was gone. And uh, the Jack Jumpers, who aren't foreign to this situation, they were one down in the semis last year, got up at home and then got up again on the road. So don't count the JJs out. The Breakers have some work to do. So what could they have done differently? Turnovers, turnovers aren't good. There's no doubt about that. And coaches can't do much about turnovers, but... Could they have done something to arrest that uh, very quick trend just before the fourth quarter? Oh, look, definitely. It's, it's, it's very, very hard when a team has momentum. It's just all about stops defensively, and they weren't able to do that. And what compounds it is when you're giving the ball back up uh, to the opposition when you have possession. And that really is what played out in the last 90 seconds or so of the third quarter. So you don't get a shot yourself. You give the ball back and they get another shot, and that really hurt. I think also the shooting from long range is something that the Breakers will now have a look at over the next 48 hours. They went 6 of 26 from beyond the arc. That isn't good enough. They know that. They probably deferred to the three ball at times when they didn't need to. They needed to get the ball inside, and it just all compounded. Um, and, of course, uh, as you say, you rate the Jack Jumpers very highly. I mean, you don't get to the final in your debut season without having something very special about you. Um, and that, that atmosphere uh, seemed crazy at times and, and just what you would expect, I would imagine. Yeah, I was talking about this last week. It's, it's probably the one thing that we're yet to mature or see mature here in New Zealand, and that is just that hostile environment, friendly you know, not, 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 not crazy, certainly, certainly not hurtful or damaging to people, but just that hostile environment where opposition teams 
come into the cauldron uh, and really um, are up against it, not only playing against a team, but playing against thousands of people. And you definitely see that in some of these games in the ANBL when the Breakers head to Australia. They, they do put on not only a good show over there, but they, uh, they make it a very, very tough environment to, uh, to get the job done. Okay, the Breakers uh, pride themselves on defence. Uh, Modi has said that. That's one of his highest priorities in coaching the team. Uh, they've given up less uh, than 80 points typically. Is It's a pretty good night for them. So where can they tighten up in Game 3? Where do they get penetrated? Yeah, look, I think look after the ball. That'll be the first thing. I've got no doubt that, that Modi will be talking about that. Again, those three turnovers, very, very costly. I think they made two errors in the first half as well. The jack jumpers got up buzzer-beating three-point attempts to end the first quarter and end the second quarter, and both of those dropped. So there's six points right there. So no doubt that will come up on the tape when they sit down and go through it. And then I think the other thing is just to mix it up. I mean, the three-point reliance last night, when the shots aren't dropping from outside, you need to change it up, and I think that's something that they'll talk about as well. Uh, and the other NBL final matchup, of course, the Kings, uh, the playing through champions, a one-all lead over the Taipans. Um, I'm not quite sure how that's going to pan out. You'd think the Kings will probably go through. If the Breakers got to the grand final series, which, which side would suit them more in terms of their style of basketball? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, definitely the Breakers turned their season around late after that four-game losing streak by going over and getting the Kings on their home floor. So they're certainly not phased or daunted by the Kings. The Kings have been the best team all season. I think the Breakers probably match up a little bit better against the Taipans. But when you get to the big dance, you want to take on the best. You want to beat the best to be the best. And I think the Kings are in that box seat right now. Again, they've won against both of them. Uh, You'd think the Kings are going to get through from here uh, they're one up. They're on the road, yes, but you know they are A-grade material. They're top class. Uh, from here, look, if you're the coach, you know Modi, he'll tell you he doesn't care who he plays. He just wants to get there, and then from there, it's a whole new ball game. Justin, I, I, the other thing that uh, interests me, obviously, the, uh, Modi has recruited well this year. I mean, this this is uh, quite a good mix that he's got of of his overseas players with local talent, but. Is the, is the local talent, is it emerging at the rate you would like to see it emerge or are we too reliant on that, um, that overseas quota? Well, the overseas quota was certainly needed last night. They scored 51 of the 78 points, Brantley, Pardon and, and Brown Jr. So they came uh, to the workplace and delivered in a big way. And if anything, you know, maybe um, touching on what you're talking about, uh, there was a little bit more needed from other players. But look, there's a lot of emerging Kiwi talent. At the moment, you know, roughly we're seeing uh, 15 to 20 players uh, come out of uh, an NZNBL season, a sales NBL season, and play in the ANBL. And that includes players going back uh, to the ANBL, but it includes new emerging talent going to the ANBL. And we're seeing that regularly now. So New Zealand is a real hotbed of talent uh, again, collegiate basketball in the States, lots of Kiwis over there, men and women. They're progressively coming back to the basketball scene here in New Zealand and Australia. I think there's a lot to be excited about right now if you're a Kiwi basketball fan. The next decade is going to be really, really exciting. I think it's only a matter of time before we get another NBA player alongside Stephen Adams. And I genuinely think 
it's only a matter of time before we get another Kiwi into the WNBA. And it's been a long time between drinks. If you think back to Megan Compain, when she was the first and still the only Kiwi to play in that top league. Well, that, of course, um, when talking about uh, those leagues uh, just below uh, the uh, ANBL, we're talking about the Sales NBL, and the Nuggets have uh, finally announced their first uh, move of free agency by uh, re-signing uh, Sam Timmons. Uh, were other teams making a play for Sam? Oh, no doubt. I mean, I think Sam, year on year, is, uh, is hotly pursued by other teams but look he's an incredibly loyal young man he, he's a fantastic guy to sit down and, and not just talk about basketball with but talk about life and his progress and, and development and he wears Otago Nuggets uh, on his sleeve he bleeds you know golden blue blood and that was a terrific announcement in the last 24 hours and I think everyone is very very happy for the reigning champs let's not forget the reigning champs they also won the showdown in 2020 to see Big Slam and Sam Timmons head back to Otago. I think we're all looking forward to uh, to seeing him get above the ring yet again many, many times throughout the season. Of course, we here at SCNZ have got a vested uh, interest in what's going on down in the Nuggets, so I'd be keen to know if you see any other likely moves for the franchise. Yeah, well, of course, they have the connection now through ownership back into the Perth Wildcats as well. It wouldn't surprise me if maybe a name or two from this year's Wildcats roster uh, are spoken about over the next couple of weeks I do think that that um, you know that connection through ownership that we have between those two teams here in New Zealand and Australia I think you're going to see a lot more movement of players and rising stars playing over here in New Zealand from that program Earlier this week it was announced that uh, Ruben Tarangi uh, would be making a return back to the sales NBL to play for the Auckland Tuatara uh, what about that move? Yeah, it's excellent. I think it's one of the best moves so far through free agency. The Tuatata Smithy, they're not mucking around. <laughs> they uh, they were one uh, game or, or, or certainly you know two or three baskets short in 2022, and they are not mucking around. They've got straight down to business. Rob Lowe has re-signed. Cam Glidden, I think, is a terrific pickup. At the moment, we're seeing him play a role off the bench for the breakers. But let's not forget that the last time Cam Glidden played in the Cells NPL, he was all-star five. He's a very, very good player. He'll come into that Tuatata team and he will be a true leader and knock down a lot of points to bring back uh, Ruben Tarangi as well. Uh, again, hasn't played, I think, since 2020 here in New Zealand, has been living over in Australia. Excellent pickup. They've still got some more to come. Watch this space. The Whisper is that the Tuatata are certainly looking to go all the way in 2023. Well, in about a week's time, or just over the, uh, over that, um, the ANBL will have crowned their champion side for this year, uh, down to four, obviously. Uh, do you think uh, the Sal's NBL free agent signings uh, will gather momentum once that's done and dusted, when their business is sorted? Yeah, traditionally that's that's pretty much the case. Um, there's a lot of players over there that will head to New Zealand. Um, there's a lot of imports to be named as well. Uh, whilst it's been a little bit quiet for some teams, and there's still four teams that haven't publicly announced any players, I can tell you that there's a lot of contracts that have been signed, so teams are holding back a little bit. Uh, at the same time, you know, you've got a team like the Manawatu Jets who have just about announced their entire roster. They're getting down to business really quickly and getting out there and promoting 
to the Green Army. So I, I think you're going to see it pick up. You're right. Over the next few weeks, you're going to see a lot of announcements. I see Michael Jordan had his, I think, his 61st birthday just uh, recently, and the debate continues to rage and the greatest of all time. Uh, what did you make of, uh, I haven't spoken to you since, uh, the landmark uh, that LeBron set the other day and um, uh, <clears throat> and the comparison still? Yeah, it rages on, doesn't it? And it'll rage on with another player in the future, You know, whether that's decades down the track. It's one of the things that we love to do in sport, whether it's around the water cooler or, you know, down down the pub with our mates or even just sitting in the stands as we watch new stars emerge. It's not just basketball, it's other sports. We love to compare the decades and the champions and, you know, what I tend to do is respect what those players did in their time, uh, in, in, in their period of being out there and playing. Two great champions, there's no doubt. I, I'll never split them. I don't want to split them. Mm. I want to look at them both as being the best and, uh, you know, LeBron enormous, enormous effort, unbelievable. And he's still going, could still go for a number of years yet. So no, look, lots of respect for both of them. I'll never split them. Actually, Justin, you made an interesting point before about uh, crowds and atmospheric crowds and say so we, we just can't get that sort of atmosphere. We don't do it well in this country. How do you get feral when it comes to a crowd? How, <laughs> how, do, you invent, how do you invent that ugliness? I haven't heard the word feral since I left Australia four years ago. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I think it's a culmination of many different things. You know, you and I have spoken about this before. We need to mm. take supporters on that journey from being passive to being tribal. And there's lots of different ways to do that. And, and one way is just to constantly be relevant. We need to be talking about Sport 365 every day of the year, hammering it down people's throats. The the fact is that fans want that engagement. They want that detail and information day after day after day. And then it becomes a journey. Once you get them on, you know, that travel aider, that travel belt towards a fear of missing out, wanting to be there, wanting to buy a membership, you must be in the stand. You must be loud and proud. And, you know, I went to the Breakers game last Sunday night. And I've got to tell you, that's as passionate a crowd as we have going in New Zealand right now loud proud the atmosphere is electric the breakers are doing a great job big season it's as close to getting to where we need to get to amongst all sports well let's uh, hope we can get a touch of it to support our lads uh come this weekend game three the all-important uh, game three to try and make the grand final justin always great uh, hearing your perspective mate um and uh thank you very much for your time once again it's been great Hey, cheese, Smithy, let's get feral, hey? Let's get feral. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think there's scope for a T-shirt there. Uh, Justin Nelson, uh, thank you very much uh, for your time this morning. It's 10.18, and when we return, we shall have a panel. And this morning, that panel consists of Mr. Aidan McLaughlin and Mr. James Regan. It's 10.23 here, and it's a panel time with uh, James Regan and Aidan McLaughlin. Uh, James, uh, first uh, cab off the rank this morning. Uh, well, we've been waiting for it. Uh, we knew it was coming, um, and I'm talking about um, the style of cricket England we're going to play, and they put it on show yesterday in the Mount. Uh, what did you make of day one and uh, night one, I guess, James? Yeah, it's it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? And it's kind of the one that we've been waiting for. Obviously, this new look... England team to come down here, Brendan McCullum, and we certainly got a bit of a show, didn't we? I'm sure 
England actually wouldn't have mind losing uh, that toss. And the declaration, the way they went about it, was a funny one because it kind of caught certainly caught me off guard a little bit. And then you kind of think about it and you go, well, actually, it's getting to that time of night where Anderson and Broad they're going to have an absolute field day with the ball under the under the lights, and they did. Um, and so it was kind of baseball pink ball uh, at Bay Oval, and it was great. Um, the Black Caps, yeah, in, in a little bit of a hole. I thought the bowling, aside from Southie and Wagner, was, was pretty pretty average at times. But um, it, it's exciting test cricket. It's, it's nicely poised. The Black Cats have got to dig themselves out a little bit today, but you'd expect a Kane, Anderson, Broad, Ollie Robinson to come out uh, and to take it to them. So day two set up really nicely, and, and it's just nice to be able to sit back and finally enjoy some test cricket in New Zealand because <laughs> it's been a very long time, hasn't it, Smitty? It has been a long time, uh, and it's the first time we've seen it played in this particular vein for quite some time as well. If ever, James, you make a very, very good point there, which I'll uh, touch on with you too, uh, Aidan. Good morning to you. Um, I, I, you look at pink ball cricket, which is day-night cricket effectively. You want to bat during the day and bowl at night. And when you score at the rate that England did, you can do both. You can declare and you can do both. Um, so they read it pretty well yesterday, Aidan. And that on the back of Ben Stokes saying he's glad he lost the toss because he had absolutely no idea what he was going to do. Even standing out in the middle, he was going to go with his first thought. Incredible thinking that they've got at the moment. Yeah, morning, Smithy, and morning to you, James. Um, probably after the first hour, uh, the thoughts of a declaration did start to enter my mind, but I thought that the circumstances would probably be a bit different. I could, I was starting to envisage them putting New Zealand in with an hour to go, but they've posted 450 for four or something, you know, something crazy. So, mm. so it, it did, it did come to mind for me. But thankfully, New Zealand. Um, pulled them back relatively well as the day went on and, you know, restricted the, the score somewhat. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? If you if you think about the, f the first innings of a test, if you said, we're going to bowl the, them out for 325, or they're going to declare for 325, you'd be pretty pleased with that. But then when you walk into um, a pink ball situation for an hour at the end of the day, uh, it, it's a different circumstance. It's so different from the normal course of play where you'd be, you know, it'd be probably a good time for batting for the last hour of a normal test day so yeah I think really it, it shows the way that Stokes thinks about the game he's always looking to attack he's thinking we've got enough runs here we can get three four five of them out um, and we can put them under real pressure um, I think for New Zealand today yeah it's important that they they fight back of course we know they're not going to score as quick so it will be interesting come the last session because another new ball will be due the floods and lights will come on and the chances are that New Zealand will still be short of that 325. Of course, you know, if you flip that round, if, if that could well mean that the Black Gaps get to bowl at the England openers towards the end of the day as well. So, yeah, an intriguing day, an intriguing couple of days ahead. Well, they will be, uh, certainly if they only score at two runs and over, which they're currently going at, uh, Aidan. Uh, which, James, leads me to another point in terms of New Zealand's tactics at the toss. Uh, batting at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, um, I would imagine, even against a new ball on a relatively new surface, um, I, I think you'd probably entertain that more with, with good light than you would at 9 o'clock at night, which is exactly uh, w what time they had to go out and face last night. So, tactically, when you saw the little that the pitch did do for our bowlers, did they get it right there? Yeah, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? I'm sure... 
Brendan McCallum, when Southie chose to bowl, was like, great, we'll score at a rate of knots. Was it, I think it was six and over at something at some stage there, and they were just going for it like they do, like they've done so well um, since Brendan McCallum took over. I'm sure he was going, great, we'll, we'll put a few hundred on, and then we'll, we'll put them in under the lights. So it, it kind of made me think a bit about the tactics that have to come in when you play with the pink ball day-night cricket. Like, it makes it so much more interesting and it makes for a great product. It's, you, you really don't know what you're going to get. And it depends how if you go into bat, how fast you score, and if you bowl, how well you can hold them off or how well you can bowl until the lights come into it potentially later on. So it, mm. it, it makes for a really intriguing kind of setup, doesn't it? And I'm sure maybe Tim Southey, if he'd you know, had, uh, had his toss again, may have done something different. But, I mean, that, that happens all the time in cricket. We want to know. Um, but I'm sure England would have been very happy to go out bat first put a few hundred on and then let Anderson and Broad do their thing with the pink ball under the lights. Uh, Aidan McLaughlin is with us. Uh, Aidan, of course, is a Hawke's Bay residence. And uh, Aidan, it was remiss of me not to ask you, uh, first of all, how you came through the events of earlier this week. You OK? Yeah, Smithy, we're OK. Thank you. Um, we, we were very lucky. Um, our power was out for about, about 30, 32 hours, something like that. And we had some... A tree came, a small tree came down in our back garden, but thankfully didn't cause damage to anyone or anything really. So a bit of a tidy up thing. But when you look at the stories that are starting to come out um, over the last couple of days, it's just getting uh, more desperate and more desperate. So yeah, just um, hearing some some stories about acquaintances of ours losing their their homes over the last 24 hours. So it's um, it's really starting to hit home, and I think. Um, it's probably fair, you know. The, the 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 media outlets are doing as good a job as they can as um, to to bring pictures to people and show the devastation. But um, yeah, Jesus, some some real sad situations here, and it's going to take a long time to recover. Yep, it will for some people, and never will. There's no doubt about it. And as I look out the window in Hawke's Bay now, it's uh, overcast, it's gloomy, um, and there's the threat of more rain. So let's just hope that stays away. It is uh, 10:30 here on SENZ. Adam McLaughlin, James Regan, with us this morning. We'll take a, a very short break for some news from Araha. When we come back, we'll look at the white ferns, the football ferns, uh, maybe a bit of golf and a bit of league as well. At his here on the panel. Big talk, big opinions. The panel. Right, uh, 10.32 here on uh, SENZ. The panellists this morning are Aidan McLaughlin and uh, James Regan. Uh, and James, uh, tonight um, New Zealand play Bangladesh in the T20 Women's World Cup. Uh, 0 for 2, uh, that's us. Bangladesh is a side that they thrashed in New Zealand conditions. Uh, but they are a side under pressure, James. Yeah, um, we're in this situation again with the Wyferns, aren't we? They... They've been really poor these first couple of games, and, and Sophie Devine pretty much said said as much uh, after that South Africa game. I, I can't remember exactly the word she used, but it was pretty much embarrassing and deflating, and it's it's perplexing as well because they've got good players. I mean, not you know it would have been a tough ask to go out and push Australia in that first game. Fair enough, but they've got some really good players in their team, so I'm not sure. Where where the issue is, or or what their kind of block is when they get to these tournaments, but 
they're certainly underperforming. Uh, and you go down the list and you look at the players they do have. A couple of them, obviously, have just been signed up to the WPL, which is great. I think it was a bit of a stretch to, to hint that that was a bit of a distraction going into that South Africa game, as they did. I mean, that fits a distraction while you're at a World Cup, and that, that's poor. But it's, it's frustrating because you know they're a good team and they can play some good cricket. But when they've been to these tournaments and, and con games aside recently they've just they've just not done it so it's it's frustrating hopefully they can get it down tonight and, and pick themselves up but if they don't then then a lot of questions need to be asked again of this white fence team well the way i'm looking at it from the outside the two players that were picked up and we're talking here sophie divine and Millie Kerr, for me aiden mclaughlin are the only two world-class performing players we have in that side at the moment going forward to me that is of great concern Oh, very much so. Um, you know, Sophie Devine, I think she's 32, 33. So uh, Susie Bates is 35, I think. Uh, Millie Kerr is, is only 22, which is fantastic. But And she's going to have to be the person that the, the side is built around going forward. Um, but as you say, there's been too many people not performing. Um, and and frankly, the, the, the size of the defeats is a huge issue as well because... You know, to be blunt, when you you're in a team with us in a group with Australia, you're fighting for second place. Realistically, uh, of course, no one would want to admit that. But I think the fact that they didn't knuckle down and ensure that the the margin of defeat wasn't that big in that first game against Australia was a mistake. I think they should have just been sensible in the changing room. They should have had enough people there that said, "Look." Let's just get close, you know, let's not ruin our run rate because suddenly they're under run rate pressure after game one. And now, of course, they're under extreme pressure because they've lost game two. And even if a miracle happens and all the results go their way, they've got a terrible run rate. So even if they win the last two games, they yeah, they need a, a sporting miracle, really. Yeah, they do, uh, which is, uh, as you say, of great concern. And I genuinely believe that. Um, right, let's turn to uh, the football ferns. Uh, it's a real bonanza for women's sport at the moment, uh, James Regan. And uh, tonight, uh, we, uh, we as the football ferns, including captain Ali Riley, set for her 150th appearance, take on Portugal with the belief that they can win this one. Yeah, I mean, they they need to. They need to get some wins under their belts. I mean, they, they've had a couple of good performances recently, and and they've got, again, they've got a lot of decent players. And congratulations to Ali Riley on this milestone. It's an amazing achievement. Um, but they they need to start winning. They need to start scoring goals. They had a few opportunities in that USA series that they didn't take, and they probably look back on with a bit of frustration. But it's so important going into a World Cup, and especially a home World Cup, where there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on you, that you've, you've got a bit of momentum and a bit of belief and a bit of positivity. Um, and so they, these games will be really, hopefully, really helpful with that. They need to win a couple. They need to sort out how they're going to play, uh, who's going to be in that first team. I'm sure Yitka Klimkova is, is all over that, but they just need to get get a bit of a flow going and, and get some people behind them as well. And we, we've seen, obviously, recently how important it is for, for these teams to do well in terms of bringing crowds in. We saw it with the Black Ferns. It was amazing. We saw it with the White Ferns how it didn't work so well in the last World Cup here. So 
to get a couple of wins and to start off really well. And they're, they're chasing history. We're trying to get their first World Cup win and trying to get out of the pool, which is a very tough ask. I'm sure they can do it, but they, they need to start getting something going pretty soon. Got to score some goals, Aiden, don't they? Get some goals. Yeah, yeah, that's been a real Achilles heel, hasn't it? And um, then if you're letting in goals at the other end, then it's um, it's just not going to happen for you. Uh, you know, I agree. This is it's starting to get to the real crunch time now, and you can forgive some some defeats against the USA. Of course, you can, even if the USA don't have the, the full side out. But now is when they need to start really getting the results. Sometimes, um, even if they don't play as well as you would want, if they start getting results, then that will build some momentum. Uh, it will get the the, the 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 nation behind them as we approach this World Cup. Um, but hey, it's not going to be easy. You know, Portugal, I think, is number 22 in the world, and they've also got Argentina coming up soon as well. So um, Portugal are here to try and qualify for the World Cup. You know, they're in a, a playoff competition um, over the next week or so. So um, so they're, they're here. They mean business, and I think they're going to be tough opposition, as Argentina will be. But uh, yeah, results needed. Right, uh, let's look at uh, the Warriors, shall we, James and uh, Dimitrik Sifakula and it's a promotion to the full-time contract uh, as the team prepares for the Melbourne Storm trial in Christchurch. So uh, they said they would be looking to sign from within, true to their word. Yeah, and that you kind of have to hold your hand up and say fair play. I mean, they they came back in the ownership group and, and it, and everyone said that this is the direction they wanted to take. And they've got, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the SG Ball team underway um, and really want to get back to growing players from within New Zealand. And you go, OK, that's fine, but when are we going to see it? But fair play to them that they've started doing it. And they've signed a couple of the young players up, Tane uh, picky and I hope I got that wrong. Sorry if I don't, but he's also been upgraded uh, from a training trial. They've obviously got Billy Army Vilea, who was really good in that Tigers game. Ed Corsi, who everyone will know. So they're starting to bring these guys in, and it's not going to be kind of a straightaway thing, but you almost don't mind that if it's going to take them a couple of years to grow into the team, grow into their game, um, then that's great. It's great for the future. It's great for New Zealand Rugby League. Um, and so you, I think it's fantastic. Uh, the game this weekend is going to be a, a much more realistic or valuable test than the Tigers game. They've named both the Storm and the Warriors have named very strong teams and it's a, a first chance, I guess, of this Andrew Webster era to get a look at how his best team is going to play and who his best team actually is. So very exciting that some of the younger boys they've got coming through who are, you'd, you'd imagine they get chances throughout the year. Um, and, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be... It's going to be a roller coaster. I'm not sure what to expect, but it's going to be fun and it's going to be great seeing them back home. So strap yourselves in. Interesting point, um, Aidan McLaughlin. Um, Liddy, Lydia McCo uh, has returned from uh, being married, married, and obviously that um, has had no effect on her golf form because she leads uh, the tournament she's playing in first up. Uh, she's at minus eight. Um, uh, along with uh, Anaru Khan, uh, who is also at minus eight. But the interesting thing for me in this time where we're talking about um, refusing sponsorship from the Saudis um, and anywhere in that part of the world whose uh, human rights record is absolutely appalling, towards women in particular, uh, she's playing in a tournament in the Saudi Arabia with five million bucks 
and yet they're saying we should perhaps say to FIFA, you can stick your sponsorship from Saudi first because we don't want it. Yeah, the Saudi Public Investment Fund have plenty of fingers and plenty of pies, don't they? And um, usually, as you, you allude it to, it's men's sport, but now it's women's sport. So um, I was surprised uh, when I when I found out about this tournament uh, and and the prize fund where that was coming from. Um, I think you know we've had me and you've had this discussion before about uh, live golf, haven't we? About uh, you know where the money comes from, and I think people are very quick to to kind of put it to one side, aren't they? I think that's the reality of the situation. Um, a lot of people talk uh, and have some pretty high moral ground, uh, but then when it comes down to it, the, the money is what talks. Um, in terms of Lydia's performance, I think she's yeah, it's interesting now. I think a lot of people forget she's only 25 and she's entering a new chapter of her life, and she's, she's had a lot of ups and uh, more recently some downs, and then back up again in terms of her career. And obviously, we know she's you know let a lot of coaches go, um, but maybe this is now time for for the real second coming of Lydia Ko uh, as she enters another stage of her life, and um, you know, dare I say, it, a little bit more maturity in her mid 20s. So. Good for her, um, but yeah, the, the the overall situation of that tournament is uh, is pretty surprising to me. It is too. Um, there'll be more on that, I'm sure, as people start to realise. Uh, 10.43 here on SENZ. My thanks to uh, to James Regan and, of course, to uh, Aidan McLaughlin for their part on the panel this morning. Uh, great to hear, uh, Aidan, that you got through pretty much unscathed. We'll have another panel uh, Monday morning when we'll go through the issues uh, perhaps that come up over the weekend. It's 10.43 many mod cons we've got in terms of communication and power and uh, machinery and all those sorts of things and the way we travel at such a great rate of knots every now and then uh, mother nature just says hold the phone uh, everyone hold the phone uh, guess who really has the reins when it comes to the crunch and uh, at the moment it's all about reacting to what uh, mother nature has just done so uh, my best to uh, all those people who are suffering who are homeless uh, who are probably a radioless actually for that matter but um, are trying their best to, to get through Cricket now um, some of the batting order says Kev uh, Latham, Young, Kane Williamson, Devon Malcolm Mitchell, Blundell uh, that would be for me a pretty strong top six uh, I don't see too much else around the country uh, Tom Latham uh, I'll be honest with you Tom Latham's got a pretty good record but it's not that flash against the big boys, the tough opposition. Um, and, you know, and I'm talking about quality new ball bowling attacks. So uh, for Tom Latham in particular, uh, this is a make, not a name of make or break series, but a very important one because uh, we're talking about finding, uh, you know, a combination at the top of the order. Uh, Tom Latham has to be part of that combination, but he has to be in form. Uh, Blundell uh, at six, I think, is a very key component. Uh, Crawley, Pope, Root and Stokes all failed first things. They won't do it twice. But when uh, when we were playing test cricket, uh, our bowling attack, apart from Southie, wouldn't have made the third 11. You're right there. It is uh, not an experienced or proven bowling attack at all. And uh, Tim Southie makes my all-time New Zealand 11, day in, day out these days from what he's achieved. Uh, but no one else does. So it gets even a, a close look in there. Uh, despite Neil Wagner's heart, I think he's uh, in a role that he's not being uh, familiar with. So it'd be good to hear you back safe and sound. What about Glenn Phillips at four or five? Nichols should have gone a year ago. Must be a steady favourite, a steady Meningari, steady favourite. Again, I think you're right. 
I think uh, he's got a lot of faith in Henry Nichols. He's seen him play as a fellow Cantabrian. Back some Henry Nichols has played some good innings for New Zealand, uh, but that's been a long time ago. He has to play an innings of real substance in the second innings, or for me, or for me, uh, he can't play at the Basin Reserve. It is uh, coming up to uh, 10.52 here. Uh, we're going to catch up with Pip Morris from the TAB before 11 o'clock. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, coming up to 10.58 here on SENZ. Uh, great time to get across to the TAB because uh, life continues on no matter where you're living and that means uh, there's racing or sports betting to be had uh, around the country and in terms of the greyhounds today, uh, Addington and Palmerston North and then uh, Monaco on Sunday as well. Busy weekend, but... Good morning to you. I do like Gold Star Dynasty today at Addington in race 10, number one, and to Blazing Master at Palmerston North in race 7 off the 8. He's in the 1.80, up and up at 2.2. I still think that's really generous shopping. As far as the Black Caps go, I can tell you we've had a, a nice bet from in first innings, Conway 50 or more runs, and a and Wagner 15 or more runs at 4.50. It's seeing some really good action that's boosted as a power play. Also had plenty of bets come in for New Zealand. Total runs under 257.5 is the best back at 185. And Devon Conway still the best back for top run scorer in the first innings at 2.10, followed by Daryl Mitchell at $3.50. And the power play first innings, Daryl Mitchell to hit a 4 and a 6 at $6.00. Smithy has been popular there. And of course, Ahan's Millions are on tonight for our Cambridge meeting there. And Berlin is the best back at $2.30. Alton a top three favourite at two fifty, And of course, Millwood Nike, he's the really best back thing in the Northern Breeders at fifteen. 60% of the bets are on him, Smithy. You're getting a lot of action on the cricket? A lot of action, Pip? We really are, and of course yesterday when it just kept flip-flopping with the wickets, we had England back right into $1.58, and then when the Black Caps got more wickets, they were going back out to around two twenty. so punters are certainly seem to be playing the in-play bets at the moment, Smithy, which is really interesting, and look, it's a great way to do it. Pip Morris uh, from the TAB, you have uh, a great weekend, Pip. Thanks very much for your time this morning. Uh, right, as we said, we've got Fonzie in the next hour, and uh, Fonzie... Uh, is uh, part of a very loyal band of Warriors supporters. So we'll be catching up with Fonzie. Uh, we'll also uh, cross to the sports desk where producer Logan Swinkles will give us a mini-review, a mini-review of uh, something that's pretty hot on at the moment called Full Swing. Uh, we'll also uh, have a stump smithy. Only at $50, you guys. What happened? When I left, it was 150 Staff happened. Oh, my God. I have to have a word to him just before midday about that. And prior to that, we'll talk to Mick Guerin. It's 11 o'clock. Are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Shine goodbye rain. She's wearing my school ring on 
Well, happy days. Not so happy days uh, where uh, the people are living in the East Coast at the moment, but they are happy days if you are Warriors fans because the uh, season's not that far away. In fact, this Sunday at Orange Theory Stadium in Christchurch, the Warriors take on the, the Storm in Round 2 of the NRL Preseason Challenge. This should be a level up from last weekend's uh, Tigers match and the Warriors team sheet looks in accordance with the challenge ahead. And here to chat in more detail about that and offer his perspective on how the New Zealand team are tracking ahead of their 28th season is Fonzie. Absolutely Fonzie. Just, uh, it was just a coincidence we played that music with you coming on. Fonzie of course is the host of this Warriors live podcast. Morning to you mate. Thanks for joining us. Morning Smithy. Pleasure to be on mate. The Warriors have named what it looks like to be their close to their top side for this uh, storm encounter. Uh, what have you made of that side? Yeah, it's a good side. I agree that it's very close to the top side. I think there might be a little bit of movement in the centres and maybe in the back row when we come to round one of the NRL. But this is pretty close to a top side and... It's exciting because we're going to see what style of play Andrew Webster wants his top team to play against good opposition. If you look at this side, who are the players who are perhaps most on trial, do you believe? Yeah, I think I think there's a shootout going on in the centres. So we've got Viliami Valea, who's a very exciting up-and-coming centre. And then we've got Brayden Viliami, who's the sort of experienced uh, player who's come back from playing rugby in France and he's having a crack at the centre spot. And then you've got Adam Pompey who's been in the system for years and he's slowly built his way into being a first grader. So I think there's three players shooting for two spots there and uh, I think that's going to be interesting to watch. They've been true to their word. They did cite Andrew Webster did say at one point that um, they still had places uh, in their final squad uh, to be decided on and they were looking to uh, promote from within and uh, when you look at the the promotion of uh, Dimitri uh, Sivakula, uh, they've stayed true to that. Yeah, they have and it's, it's, it's a great thing because in the long run, the way the Warriors are going to win the NRL competition is by having strong internal pathways and promoting from within, promoting players who have played in our grades and um, have been seasoned to play in our system. So I'm really pleased that they've done that. I watched him play the trial last week, and I thought he was one of the players who we hadn't heard much about, who sort of showed himself to be that little bit cut above in that trial. And so I think it's a good reward, and I'm excited to see what this kid does. There's been raps on him for a while in the grades. Luke Metcalf, I think it's fair to say, uh, Fonzie was one of the standouts um, and the first trial last week uh, against the Wests, uh, the pairing he had with uh, Tamari Martin in particular is one of the features, but uh, it appears now he has uh, succumbed to a hamstring injury and could be out uh, for as many as uh, six to eight weeks. Only seven games into his NRL career, but uh, looked every bit a first-grade player. Yeah, he did. I've actually watched Luke Metcalf in the New South Wales Cup competition being based here in Sydney. I've seen him play live in that competition before. He's always been a player who is a cut above at that cup level. And that trial last week was really a lot of the West Tigers New South Wales Cup team. So I wasn't surprised to see him go well. I mean, the challenge for Luke is going to be playing that sort of game at the NRL level, but I think he's got it in him and I think his time will come. The injury is a major setback, but... I think somewhere before the end of the year, he'll be fit firing and showing us what he can do in the NRL, no doubt. 
To Mighty Martin, uh, looks uh, already to be uh, a really good buy, um, maybe across all the NRL teams actually. Seems to have uh, a pretty calm sort of demeanour. Uh, they'll need him fit if uh, they're to compete and his halves partner here. It will be interesting um, when they work that out. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's going to be Temare Martin and, and Sean Johnson to start the year and, and for the foreseeable future. And I think that'll work well. I think they're both footy heads, players who are experienced and know their way around a footy, a footy field. And I think they'll bounce off each other. I think we'll see a better Sean Johnson for having Temare Martin next to him. And I think this year, because we've gone with a fullback in Chance Nickel Clockstad, who is not a ball player, we're going to see the halves have to play linking up together and offering a threat outside of each other on both sides of the field. And I think Tamara Martin is, is a great player for that and a great foil for Sean Johnson with that game model. So, yeah, I think it's a great signing. I think he'll go really well. And um, I also like what he does in defence in that trial on the weekend. He was putting his body on the line, taking some hits, which is what you want to see out of your halves. How patient do you think Andrew Webster will be with Sean Johnson? I mean, he was so hot and cold last year at times and almost at times didn't look to be... Um, that uh, that interested with, with what was going on, but that was a theme throughout the team. How how patient do you think uh, Webster will be? Well, I, I had the opportunity to have a conversation with with Andrew Webster late last year, and I asked him that question about players in general, not just Sean. And he said, "I'm picking the team based on who I think is going to win me the game on the weekend." So I think that'll be his approach, but. Um, I think if he sees all the right things at training, all the right things in terms of attitude and so on, he'll be understanding that it can take some time for a new spine to click. Like, remember, we've got a new fullback, we've got a new 5'8". Um, so there's going to be a lot of change around Sean. So he's not going to be getting it right perfectly on day one. Uh, and I think Andrew will understand that side of it, as long as he's seeing the effort and the, um, you know, the him adhering to the game model. I think he'll be patient. But uh, you know, like you said earlier, Metcalf's there once he comes back from injury and there's a kid called uh, Volkman, Ronald Volkman in the squad and they're very close to first grade ready, those guys. So Sean's going to have to keep playing well. OK, um, and aside from Volkman, uh, is there anyone that you can perceive within the Warriors ranks even now that we don't know too much about but by the end of the season we might be all raving about? Have you got a, a pick lined up there? Look, I think, um, I mean, most people have started paying, paying notice to uh, a young prop in the squad called Tom Ale, and I think he's going to continue to rise through the year. It's a real weak spot in our roster at the moment is the prop position. We only really have three genuine props in the squad, in my view, and one of them is Tommy Ale. So I expect he's going to play big minutes and there's going to be a lot of responsibility on him. And I think by the end of the year, we might be looking at him as a very established um, first grade prop. He moves well. Um, he's sort of your, your smaller, faster molder prop that's becoming more popular in the game or prevalent in the game. So he's one I'd definitely be having a look at. The other one, I'll go out on a bit of a limb. Um, everyone's forgotten about a kid called Rocco Berry, who's come into grade uh, in previous years, but never really cemented a spot. And he's been dismissed a bit, I think, in the fan base, but I, I certainly haven't given up on him. I think he's shown he can dominate cup level. And he's just a couple of opportunities and a bit of confidence away from potentially being a breakout centre for the team. Oh, OK, it's, uh, it's interesting names to look out for there. Uh, look, I don't think anyone was getting carried away uh, after the result against uh, West. So I think they were uh, quietly pleased about the whole deal. 
but how closely will you be looking at this one against the Storm uh, to see where you feel the Warriors are at pre-season? Yeah, I think I agree that the West game was a little bit of fool's gold in the sense that that was a pretty weak West team and we just were running downhill at them all day. And so while some of our players looked really good, you know, you've got to allow for that um, grading class, let's say. Now, Melbourne's picked a full-strength team and Melbourne don't muck around even in trials. So we're going to have a stern test this weekend. The defence will not leak easily. So what I'm looking for this week is to see what style of play Andrew's got this team um, lined up for in 2023. It will be different to last year, and I want to see what that looks like. I want to see how he uses the halves, how he uses the the fullback. Um, I want to see whether he's improved our defensive line speed, all of those things that will give us an idea of how this team's going to play, what they're going to look like through the year. The result doesn't matter, but trials, it's all about the, the process, not the outcome. And uh, you would imagine uh, that Bellamy will make sure, uh, from his point of view, he wasn't he hasn't travelled over here for a holiday as such, um, that he's looking to find some answers uh, for some of the gaps that he, have been created with him. Yeah, I mean, Melbourne are always a good team with an established system, but they have had a fair bit of roster turnover, especially in the forwards, with the new club, the Dolphins, picking the eyes out of some of their experienced forwards. So... Bellamy would have had a bit more work to do in his pre-season than in past years. And there's probably a little bit more competition for spots going on with less established um, older players there in that team. So I'd expect he'd be telling them that they that everyone needs to be ripping in and putting their, their best foot forward. But he'll also be looking to see them uh, demonstrate the, the style changes or the system changes he will have put in this pre-season. So, yeah, no, they're, they're not coming for a holiday. I mean, they're not going to be desperate to win the game, but they'll be desperate to put in a performance that shows they're still a, a top-four team. What are you making of Andrew Webster? You spoke you spoke before about having a chat to him, so you know the guy, you've met the guy, you've talked to him. Uh, we've had a succession of coaches. Um, you know, no one knows that better than you, um, following the Warriors as closely as you do. Yep. What gives you hope? What gives you hope, Fonzie, that he's our man? So, yeah, I, he's smart and he's a leader and he is making himself very available and accountable um, very early on. So he's not hiding behind um, the fact that it's not his squad. He's not hiding behind the fact that the club's just resettled. There's been a lot of change. When we spoke to him, I, I mean, I gave him every opportunity to uh, have an out, to, to sort of put out there that there's gonna, it's going to take time. But no, he, he wouldn't take it. In fact, he insisted he didn't want any players hear him talk thinking he wasn't trying to win the comp this year. So I think we've got a smart, motivated, hungry coach who is going to do what it takes. Now, I don't think he's going to do it this year because I think that's humanly impossible. But he's he means business. He's here to win a comp. And he's going to do whatever it takes as fast as he can to get there. And I have confidence in him because when you hear him talk, I, I think he, he makes sense and he, he says the right things. Are you happy that um, when you look at his coaching structure now, those men around him, that he's got uh, all the bases covered this year? There's criticism last year that perhaps we didn't have the strength in coaching in a couple of areas. Do you feel, uh, looking at that coaching structure, that he's got the bases covered? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get a good line of sight on assistant coaches because you don't sort of get to hear them or see them as much, but... 
Um, he Webster's obviously inherited Stacey Jones and um, and Morgan from um, from Brownie and brought in Richard Agar, but he's recut their roles. So Morgan was defence coach, and now I think he has a different role. Um, and Stace uh, likewise has a slightly different role, and Richard Agar's there. So uh, I, look, I think between those three assistants, you've got a good mix. Richard Agar's coached at the top level in England and in international footy. Um, Justin Morgan's been there for a long time, and he's very well credentialed and Stacey's, you know, your, your warriors through and through. Um, so I think the ingredients are there and I think Webster can get what he needs to out of each of them. So I, I'm, I'm comfortable with the coaching squad, the, the coaching team. To be a Warriors uh, supporter um, and, um, you know, uh, and follow them as closely as you had, you, you certainly have to be a glass half full sort of a bloke, Fonzie. So where are you looking this year? Are, are we looking... Are we looking... Are we looking, can we say it out loud, are we looking playoffs or are we, in your perspective, just looking at a turnaround year as such? Yeah, I'm not looking playoffs. I'm looking for a turnaround year. And in fact, um, if you if you were taking the Warriors from where they were last year and trying to win a comp, you would do different things to what you would do if your goal was just to make the top eight this year. I'm looking this year to see foundations being set that will win a comp in the coming years. And so I think given the roster that we've got, because there's some there's some holes in the roster uh, that haven't been plugged yet. So given the, the roster we've got, the fact that there's going to be a lack of cohesion with so many new players coming in, a new coach, a new system, I, I think we'd finish sort of around that 12th mark. I think that'd be, you know, for me, a reasonable result. But I, I don't really care whether it's 9th, 12th or 15th. If I see a team with attitude that's sorted out its defence, that... Um, is is playing a style of play that has other teams on the ropes at times, and you know the rest the rest can slowly come. We can sign that extra prop we need for next year. We can sign another centre if we need it. We can bring through some more kids in twelve months when we've had another year in NZ. We've got to build that base. That's what this year's about. It's building the base, and in the meantime, firing up the fan base around it. Cool, Bonzi. Absolutely brilliant to catch up with you um, and to hear your insights. Um, I'm I'm quietly optimistic. Uh, but I'm with you. Um, just a turnaround. Do you know, to me, the most disappointing thing, Fonzie, last year was to hear from um, a number of coaches. Uh, they look like they don't want to be out there, the players. They don't. I, I mean, I don't want to see any semblance of that. Yeah. Uh, that's a turnaround in, in itself for me. Yeah, I think being home in New Zealand and having players who want to be in New Zealand in the squad with no ifs or buts, that's that's a marquee signing in itself. That on its own is is like signing a an international player, and so we're going to see that from day one. And I think that's good. It'll be it'll feel more like a proper Warriors team just because of that. Great to catch up with you, mate. Absolutely fantastic. We'll speak again once the season gets going. But uh, thanks so much uh, for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Smithy. Great to talk to you, mate. Yeah, cheers. Uh, that's Fonzie. Uh, a lot of. Uh, Thought going into it there, and um, he'll ha- have a close look at uh, what happens against the Melbourne Storm in Christchurch over the weekend, as we all will. Uh, it's coming up to uh, 11.19 here on SENZ. We're going to go to the sports desk uh, after the break, and uh, producer Logan Swinkles is going to give us a review, a mini-review, on something uh, that's come out uh, very interestingly called Full Swing. Yep, it's about golf. Match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it's time to play Stumped. 
here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith and Smithy. It is really good to have you back in the chair after what has been a pretty crazy, intense couple of days. I've got a lot of family that way, uh, and I mean, it's just been so hard to get communication. It's been hard to communicate with you, but it is really nice to see you back in that seat. Yeah, nice to be here too, and um, uh, we got a text, <coughs> excuse me, from Margaret. Margaret, thank you very much for your text. Um, uh, love you and uh, keep in contact uh, and thanks for your thoughts so uh, yeah right uh, as I have from a lot of people this morning um, really receptive and um, sympathetic audience it's been terrific uh, to be back uh, but there's no sympathy now no sympathy now because when I left the seat it was 150 bucks in the pot I come back it's 50 bucks in the pot so staff's got something to answer to here I am led to believe uh, but let's get it up to 100 bucks on Monday morning. Who's our first competitor this morning and what are the topics? Yeah, Staff did falter a little bit, but yesterday he yeah, he almost got a stumping. I'll tell you that. He was on a hat-trick ball and he just didn't quite stick the landing. But first at the crease, we've got Zaid. Zaid from Auckland. Come in, mate. Uh, good morning, uh, Smitty and Logan. I just got a quick question for Logan. Are there breakers tickets on sale yet for Sunday? Yeah, I would say you have to get them pretty quick. Okay, thank you. Um, hopefully we can get that game three because um, we didn't look too good last night. I did get on the breakers, so the old CAB account isn't feeling too good this morning. Um, but, yeah, it's good to see that um, Ian Smith safe back on the radio. Um, uh, <laughs> also had a few uh, power outages and internet uh, problems in, in my house as well. The power's back, but the internet's not back, but it's not too bad. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. hopefully your TAB account might look a little bit better after today. We'll see. The categories for you to choose from today are Super Bowl 57. Can't believe that was on Monday. Uh, golf and football. Uh, okay, I'll go football, please. All right, good luck. First question for you, Zaid. The Wellington men's Phoenix kickoff match day 17 of the A-League against the 11th place Western United. What place on the table are the Phoenix? Uh, the Phoenix are uh, six. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, golf claps there from Smithy. Yep, very well done, Zaid. I know you know your sport, so this is going to be a real challenge, even getting a chance, I believe. Well, we'll see. Second question is a bit uh, touches to the heartstrings for you, Smithy. Tottenham Hotspur are in the final 16 of the FA Cup. What team do they play next? FA Cup or uh, Manchester City? One of the worst things... I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy. No, they don't actually. Um, uh, I know they've got a very winnable game, but that means Tottenham will probably lose it. Um, I'm, th I'm thinking it's someone like Fulham or Brighton or something like that. Um, I'll go Fulham. One of the worst things I have no. ever seen done on a cricket field. Well, I wanted to say it would be Wrexham but it's going to be Sheffield United because they won the fourth round replay. Okay, Sheffield United. Also, they could uh, upset Spurs without any problem whatsoever. Okay, uh, question number three for Zaid. 50 bucks on the line here. All right, let's see if this makes your TAB account look a little bit better for the weekend, mate. What team leads the English Premier League? Which team leads? It is Arsenal. 
one of the worst things I have oh. ever seen done on a cricket field. Huh? Oh, 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 oh. oh, no, Zade. I know it's been a two-horse race. In fact, it was a one-horse race until about uh, two weeks ago. But the second horse has been going pretty good of late. And I think the second horse, which is now effectively the first horse, Zade, may well be Manchester City. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep, that's right. Zade, I mean... <sighs> You're not wrong to, to say Arsenal because they are equal with Manchester City on 51 points, but they're ahead on goal differential, so Manchester City sit on top. Hard luck, mate. Okay. Thank you. Okay, Zay, thanks, mate. You have a terrific weekend uh, watching as much sport as you possibly can. So uh, we'll be up to a hundy, a hundy on Monday morning, so uh, straight away when the old captain gets back in the chair, normal situation uh, resumes. It is uh, coming up to uh, 11.40 here on SENZ. Um, yes, um, that golf is uh, very, very interesting at the moment. What a pairing. Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods. Mm, I wonder if Greg Norman's watching. Uh, we'll have Mick Guerin next. Mick Guerin here to talk about Tahanis Racing and what's on SENZ in terms of racing programming over the weekend. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, right, uh, just a couple of uh, things before we get to, to Mick who's waiting for us uh, patiently. Uh, Gisborne uh, people have got to be careful about the water. Apparently uh, one of the treatment stations is... Uh, failed so Gisborne people if you're able to listen be very very careful about uh, the use of uh, the water up there and your water supply uh, more information on that coming through um, also uh, Tiger Woods is about to I think about to make a double bogey which uh, won't help his cause in trying to make the cut but immense interest in his comeback as there always is on a Friday at this time when we talk to uh, Mick Guerin uh, about uh, trotting action and uh, racing coverage here on SENZ over the weekend um, Mick good morning to you Cambridge, Addington today, Rangiora grass tomorrow, Gore grass Sunday. It's a smorgasbord for you pacing fans. Yeah, there is, Smithy. Good morning to you. And look, it's bloody hard to talk about this stuff when, you know, our country's being ravaged by something like what's going on. And and you hear coverage of people dying. It's just terrible. And, you know, we realise this is not a big deal in the scheme of that. We hope it for, provides some distraction for people who have their TVs working and, and have the opportunity to, to sit in front of them. Um, you're right, it's a big weekend. It's, it's actually a bigger weekend than many people would think. <clears throat> because tonight, Auckland Trotting Club races at Cambridge because Alexandra Park was damaged by floods a couple of weeks ago. They have their Harness Million meeting, which is sort of Harness Racing's version of the Caraca Million uh, for horses sold at the sales. It's pretty big money. There's $200,000 up for grabs in the main three-year-old pace, there's $150,000 up for grabs uh, in the female version, the police pace. So they're big races. Um, I like one in race six. He's pay a lot, but I think he's the fastest horse in the field. His name is Merlin. So that's at Cambridge tonight. Also tonight, Muscle Mountain races at Addington. You mentioned the meetings that are off. There's actually another meeting dropped in Manawatu, races on Sunday because they had interrupted racing this week with can, uh, Tuesday cancelled because of uh, the cyclone. Away from all that, we have New Zealand horses the favourite for the $100,000 Newcastle Mile in New South Wales tonight, Smithy. And if that horses or horses, BD Joe or 
ultra wise guy win they go straight into the million dollar miracle mile uh there's also kiwis racing tomorrow night at Menangle, and on sunday it's sales week now Sales Week probably doesn't interest most people because a lot of people don't buy horses. But Sales Week sees over 400 horses, yearlings, sold first at Karaka on Sunday, then into Christchurch on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And it's the beating heart of the racing week, because of the racing year, because that's where the money comes from, and that's where people buy the horses that go on to these great races. So huge tonight big tomorrow in Australia and then lots of interest around the country and at the sales on Sunday which then head to Christchurch Smithy. Away from all that, we have of course Avondale Cup and Guineas Day. Now that's tomorrow at Pukekohe. Uh, huge lead-ups to the Cup Week coming up at Auckland and also Tarapa. I'll be on tomorrow morning on SENZ. Um, Louis Hyphen, Herman Watt, has got the, uh, the day off so It'll be myself and a huge array of guests from 8 o'clock. Most importantly, with the track conditions, we'll talk about all the winning chances, interview some of the trainers. A very special thing on SENZ, uh, Sunday morning live from the sales, Greg O'Connor and myself on SENZ two-hour harness racing show, 11 to 1. So 11 to 1, we'll talk about trying to find you a winner review the weekend's racing, and also talk to all the people who are out there buying and selling horses. That's live from Caraca. So between what's going on tomorrow morning, the mail run at 8 o'clock, the good oil in the afternoon with the Punters Club and the two-hour harness show live from the sales on Sunday, Smithy, we have the racing world covered, as I mentioned, as we try and provide a distraction for those people who have been affected by what's been a pretty tough time for our country. It has indeed. Mick, um, just quickly, um, we've been talking about it in the uh, thoroughbred side of things. We spoke to David Ellis and a few people about horse syndication. How easy is that to get involved in harness racing? Is, is there a quick fire way to, to make contact? It's the easiest in the world. If you went to any trainer, most of them have their own syndication companies, but someone like Stonewall Stud, who's the biggest buyer of horses in the country, they'll let you get involved in a syndicate literally for $1,000. And I respect the fact that not everybody has $1,000 lying around, but you can get them for $1,000. It's just this simple. If you have a trainer you like or like the sound of or you've seen on television and you think, hey, he or she does a really good job, just ring them and say, do you have syndicates available to your stable? How hard is it to get involved? Or, if you want to learn a bit more and be a bit more due diligent, go hrnz.co.nz. It's incredibly easy. There's not much risk. And it can just be for the price of a couple of cups of coffee a week you can get involved. So syndication, the way to go, to get baby steps into the industry. I've had a 5% share in a horse, Smithy, as I know you have. You get just as much rush from a 5 or 10% share as you do from 50%. And, of course, the bills are a lot smaller. <laughs> and that is important, Mick. Uh, always great to catch up with you. Have a terrific and busy weekend, my friend, Punt. Well, thank you. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Just uh, 11.51 here on SENZ. Uh, just time to catch up with Mark Stafford before he takes over very shortly.